1: Hello Bleeding Green Nation and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to preview this weekend's big divisional matchup between the Eagles and the Giants. Third time this year, these divisional rivals uh, will be battling it out. And uh, joining me to do that in just a few minutes is Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, the SB Nation Giants site. Uh, he is ubiquitous right now on the SB Nation podcast feeds. I know he was on uh, the NFL show earlier this week. He was on the NFC East mixtape, which you can hear on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast channel here. So uh, if you if you can't get enough of Ed after listening to this podcast, you can check. Check out Ed with uh, BLG and RJ Ochoa from earlier this week as well, but we're going to really get into some of the X's and O's and some of the matchups, some of the things the Giants need to do if they want to pull off the upset in Philadelphia. Of course, none of us think that that's going to happen, but uh, we'll uh, talk to Ed about what they need to do, what the Giants are planning to do to take on the Philadelphia Eagles and whether or not uh, they are anticipating Jalen Hurts to be at 100% for this game. So I'll also get into some of my uh, predictions for the for the other three games in the divisional round here of the playoffs. So we'll do that coming up here in the next few minutes of Eye on the Enemy. But just a reminder, to, a reminder to check out all of our shows on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed and, of course, read BleedingGreenNation.com every day. I've got an article up there from earlier this week, and uh, we are constantly posting the latest news and notes that you're going to want to need, the injury reports, all that good stuff ahead of this Saturday night's game between the Eagles and the Giants, which kicks off at 8-15, which, listen, I'm telling you folks, the NFL was not thinking clearly when they decided to schedule an Eagles playoff game for 8-15 at night. Uh, That gives Eagles fans a full 12 hours to get themselves ready for this thing. So um, boy, oh boy, Uh, Eagles fans are nervous, I think, but I think growing more confident uh, as the hours tick closer to kickoff on Saturday night. And joining me to help break this game down between the Eagles and the Giants take three, Ed Valentine from Big Blue View joining us once again here on Eye on the Enemy. Third time this year obviously because this is this is the third time these two teams will have met up against each other. Ed, welcome back to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, buddy?
2: I'm good, John. How are you? And uh, here we are again round 3 divisional playoff round. I know that you guys have been uh, have been counting on this all year long, but So many people never thought that the Giants would get this far. So this is all uh, from the Giants perspective. This is all bonus football.
1: Yeah, it's all gravy. And, you know, it certainly is nice to be able to approach it from uh, from that perspective. And and I know with the Giants, it's kind of a, a two sided coin here because you do have that aspect of it. It's it's you're you're kind of playing on the house money here there you have nothing to lose there are no expectations on the giants in that in this game so you know they can enter this thing without the weight of expectations of a number one seed where the eagles it'll be a disappointment if they don't make the super bowl this year no such disappointment if the giants lose on saturday night but at the same time they are coming into this game with a a long history of futility over the last decade against the eagles and specifically coming into philadelphia at lincoln financial field for this game so Just if you could speak for all Giants fans right now, coming off an impressive win against the Vikings, a a substandard uh, Vikings team, kind of a paper Tiger Vikings team, as a lot of people were saying leading into it, an impressive victory nonetheless in terms of offensive efficiency and the way Daniel Jones played and the the way that the Giants seem to be playing their their best football of the season right now. How are Giants fans just in general feeling about things as they come into this game on Saturday night?
2: Well, Giants fans prefer... Not to look at that recent history of futility against the uh, the Eagles. I think it's nine straight losses at Lincoln Financial Field. There are other historical numbers that Giants fans much prefer to look at. The first one is this is the Giants' 10th playoff appearance since 1993, and I think so from 1997 forward. This is the 10th time that the Giants have been in the playoffs. In six of those appearances, the Giants have gone one and done.
1: Hmm.
2: In the other three appearances, when they have won a playoff game, they have at least made it to the Super Bowl. So Giants fans much prefer to look at that number. I mean, they've won two of those Super Bowls and lost one to the Ravens. There's another number that Giants fans much prefer to nine straight losses against the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Six times since the playoffs were expanded in 1990, six times the Giants have played the number one seed in the playoffs. The Giants are unbeaten against the number one seed in the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) So, so you know what? Those numbers mean nothing. But if yeah. you want to get me to talk about numbers, we're going to talk about those numbers and not consecutive <laughs> losses to the Eagles. They're more fun.
1: <laughs> those are more fun. And, uh, n- n- you know, it's you asked me, I was on your podcast uh, earlier this morning and you asked me a question about, you know, whether or not uh, these these recent trends are, are really mean anything in these games. And I, I I said to you, I think the only thing that really matters is uh, whether a team is feeling confident in themselves heading heading into a matchup. You know, you're coming in as a Giants team, coming into Philadelphia, knowing you haven't won here in forever. That might not be enough to discourage you coming into the game, but if something goes wrong early, you get down 7 nothing, 14 nothing in the first quarter. You might, as a Giants player, especially if you're somebody who has played in Philadelphia these last few years, like Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, some of the defensive players, you might be tempted to say to yourself, Oh, here we go again. Same old thing in Philadelphia. We just can't win here. And you know, athletes will never say out loud that that's what's going on, but we all know what human nature is like. Do you, do you subscribe to that at all? Do you, do you feel like that is a possibility? Like if do the giants actually, I guess a better way to ask this question is do the giants need to get off to a fast start in this game in order to have any chance of winning?
2: Well, I would think that the Giants would need to get off to a to a quick start at least a start that that I would say is is neutral, okay
0: mm-hmm. what
2: you don't want is to be behind seventeen to nothing because mm-hmm. the link will be insane um that Eagle's pass rush will be able to just to be able to cut loose and 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 forget thinking about the run game that's just a bad scenario you uh, you want to at least play this game neutral through the early parts of it it would help if you jump out to an early lead obviously the way I look at it is y- you talked about it we the Giants don't want to hear the phrase playing with house money they don't want to hear it they're in the playoffs they want to make the most of this opportunity the reality of it is though that that win or lose it's been a successful season for the New York Giants whether they win or lose on Saturday night but they want to go farther they want to win and you know we'll see what happens here but but you just don't want to be in that situation where you're trying to climb uphill with the crowd going crazy and no running game to, to, to lean on, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. So, so like I said, it, it hopefully from the Giants' perspective, you want to be at least neutral through a good part of the game.
1: As we talk about the X's and O's here just a little bit, um, I'm curious to hear what you think how Wink Martindale is gonna handle things on Saturday night against Jalen Hurts. And we don't know exactly how good Jalen Hurts is feeling. I- I've been saying this all week and I-, I think it still holds true. I think the Eagles have been slow playing Jalen Hurts's shoulder injury a little bit. I think they've been a little more forthcoming than normal about how he's been hurting and how it's been really sore and all this and that. I think to plant some seeds of doubt in in the Giants' heads as to exactly how much of the playbook they're going to be willing to open back up. Because they certainly did not open up much of the playbook uh, to the Giants in, in Week 18. So I guess I'm curious as to how the Giants are going to approach Jalen Hurts. And really, they've changed how they've how they've done things defensively over these last few weeks. Shiel Kapadia from The Ringer noted this on Twitter. He said, from Weeks 1 to 14, the Giants played man coverage 47% of the time. Over the last four games, not including in week 18 when they rested all the starters, it's been 20%. The blitz rate has dropped from about 45.5% to 31%. Feels like Wink Martindale has been blitzing less over the last few weeks, and the numbers kind of bear that out. But I think the way you attack Jalen Hurts is to blitz him and and hope that he gets a little frazzled with the blitz. So what do you make of those numbers, Wink, what Wink Martindale has been doing over the last few weeks, and how that will factor into what he's going to do on Saturday night?
2: Well... What we always like to say is that Wink will wink, okay? He's going to do what he's going to do, and it's always going to be aggressive. One of the great things that Wink Martindale does, whether he sends four or whether he sends seven, you know, in in the, in the the pass rush, one of the great things that he does is that you never really know where those four or five you never really know where they're coming from Mm -hmm. he what he does better than anyone in terms of creating pass rush and he blitzes a ton but what he does better than anyone is create free runners to the quarterback creates unblocked guys chasing the quarterback now it's absolutely right that in recent weeks at times that he hasn't blitzed as much. And this is one of the great things about the Giants coaching staff. They say all coaches will, will say all the time it's week to week, how we do things. It depends on the opponent. It depends on what we think is the best game plan for that week. And, and yet what we see is week after week teams do the same things. They lean into the same formations. They lean into the same plays. They play defense, basically the same way. And that is one of the great things about Wink Martindale. We know what he is defensively. It's it's pressure breaks pipes. It's aggression all the time. And yet he's willing to change. He hasn't had some of his some of his defensive backs recently. Kayvon Thibodeau has been playing really, really well. The Giants have been creating pressure with four rushers on on a on a higher rate than they had earlier in the season. So he's leaning into that and and allowing and allowing the secondary, you know, to to sit and and play in more advantageous positions. On on last Sunday against the Vikings, he played a lot of zone, which is not his style. He bracketed Justin Jefferson. He stayed with the four man pass rush and and he, you know, they played more just trusting their their four man pass rush. So uh-huh. I don't know exactly what he will do this time around. What I will say is the Giants are not buying this whole. We're not going to see the best of Jalen Hurts. They've been yeah, saying, I don't think they should. They've been they've, <laughs> they've been saying all week he's not on the injury report. We're going to see the whole right. playbook we're going yep. to see Jalen Hurts at his best so they're not buying that they might they might early on you know test a little bit and probe a little bit with the man-to-man defense and see how much he's willing to run and if he's really willing to run if he's really willing to pull the ball down you might see wink you know go back to more zone defense have his have his defensive backs facing the quarterback a little bit more often but I think the unpredictability of Wink Martindale is one of the great things.
1: No, for sure, and the fact that you don't know exactly what you're going to get from him and what he's going to throw at you, I think, is one of the things that makes Eagles fans a little bit nervous. But again, I, th- I think most Eagles fans would agree with you that Jalen Hurts will not be limited. Um, but there is some some question as to how effective be they might open up the whole playbook and realize he he can't do the whole playbook but i, I don't think that's going to be the case i think there's I, I think they've been sly about this i think i think jalen hurts has been a little bit uh, coy about things and i i think he i think we're gonna see a jalen hurts that looks a whole lot like the guy uh that we saw during the course of the regular season and not the guy that we saw in week 18. And i i, I do wanna I, i've been thinking a little bit more about this over these last couple of days and it kind of hit me this morning when you look back at the Week 18 game, the final score was close. But if you had if you had, had a Jalen Hurts who was able to run the football effectively, this game is a blowout early. The Eagles had five scoring drives before the Giants had their first scoring drive. Four of those scoring drives were field goals, a couple of them very short field goals, and a couple of them occurred after the Eagles decided not to not to run Jalen Hurts on a third and short or a a fourth and short. In normal situations those drives likely continue or become touchdowns. In which case you're not looking at a 19 nothing deficit. You're likely looking at a 24 nothing deficit or something something along those lines or you know, I just feel like this was a game that at the end of the day, the score was close, but I don't think you're going to see an Eagles team kick five field goals again. You know, it, it, there were six scoring drives for the Eagles in that game and three for the Giants in that game. This game wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. They didn't pile up 40 points on the backups and the reserves, but you could tell this team, this Eagles team, seemed to still be able to move the football at will against the Giants, except for when they got into the red zone. And Jalen, I was because Jalen Hurts was what's much more limited in that in that capacity.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't argue too much with that. I think that uh it always felt like the Eagles were going to win that game in week eighteen. I did enjoy watching Davis Webb truck an Eagles defender at the goal line. I yeah. I, I did I did get a <laughs> I funny. did get a I did get a kick out of that. I sure. did enjoy the Giants making the Eagles play to the end of that game. And I enjoyed, you know, this is the first start of davis webb's career it was the first time he had thrown a pass in an nfl game in his six-year career i enjoyed watching him play reasonably well so so that was fun it was interesting but i but as as far as this saturday i think you throw that one out the and you were you were asking me about wink martindale earlier and here's another thing that that i'm interested in in week 14 the Eagles hung 40, 48 points on the Giants, mm-hmm. but Leonard Williams, who is one of the Giants' two stud defensive interior interior defensive linemen, didn't play. Adoree Jackson, who's the Giants' best cornerback, didn't play. Xavier McKinney, who's top tier safety, didn't play. I'm curious to see what Wink Martindale does basically with his full complement of defensive players this time around i'm curious to see how much of an impact that has on the defensive side for the giants i'm not saying that 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 will you know put the giants in a position to win the game but i think that it puts the giants in position to have a better chance to compete defensively
1: as we flip the script a little bit and we we look at uh, what the Eagles defense uh, will be able to do against the Giants offense, how how has uh, what the Giants been doing on offense changed since the last time these two teams met for a game in which both teams were, you know, in the the game six weeks ago when when the Eagles won forty eight to twenty two? What are the Giants doing differently now uh, than what they were doing before?
2: Well, I think that what has happened with the Giants offense is that there's been some evolution. Early in the season, it was a complete run-first, run-heavy offense. They had a game, I think, in Week 8 against the Tennessee Titans where they handed the ball to Saquon Barkley 35 times, which was a career high for him. And Early on in the year, it was run, 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 bootleg passes off play action, throw the ball only when they had to. Um, or basically what I like to say is throw the ball pretty much on their terms whenever they did throw the ball. So it was a, it wasn't really what you would call a balanced offense. What I see now from the giants is much more of a balanced attack. Now we know, for example, that the Minnesota Vikings defense is not the Eagles defense. All right. We know that. Mm -hmm but what we saw in the two minnesota games week 16 and then last sunday was the giants much more willing to throw the ball on first down much more willing to use play action much more willing to to have daniel jones get up under center and do classic straight drop back you know kind of kind of passing it's it's a much more balanced attack. It doesn't rely so much on if Saquon doesn't have a big game, the Giants don't don't have a chance to have an effective offense. I think that's the biggest difference is that I think it's it's partially Daniel Jones running. It's the emergence of Isaiah Hodgins all of you know those kinds of things, but it's, it's just a, a more balanced offense that I think presents more challenges for a defense now than it might have even six or eight weeks ago.
1: Is there a matchup when the Giants are on offense that you think favors them in any phase of the game against the Eagles defense?
2: Oh, I don't know if there's one specific matchup that that favors the Giants, I think that I'm curious to see how the Eagles or which one of the Eagles' corners uh, plays Isaiah Hodgins most of the time. I'm curious about that. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins is not a superstar, but he's been the Giants' best wide receiver. I think he's been targeted 21 times the last uh, the last couple of weeks. So I'm curious about that. What I will do is kind of flip your question on, on, its, uh, on its head and say that there is one matchup that I am really, really concerned about, and that is Giants rookie right tackle Evan Neal against Hassan Reddick or Brandon Graham at times, whichever of those guys that, uh, that Philadelphia chooses to line up over him because in the two matchups, Neal did play the first half in week 18, he has struggled mightily, especially with Reddick. So that matchup—that's one that 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 concerns me incredibly. Just in terms of of the Giants being able to pass the football effectively.
1: All right, lay it out for me here. So this this game on Saturday night between the the, the Eagles and the Giants, um, what needs to happen for the Giants to win?
2: Well, first and foremost, what I've said all year long is that the Giants have a, a narrow path to victory. Okay, I said mm-hmm. this the first time they played the Vikings on, on Christmas Eve. They were every bit as good as the Vikings, except that they made three brutal mistakes. They had a fumble in the red zone. They had an interception right on the edge of the red zone. And they had a punt blocked that cost them points. The Giants have to play clean. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I don't realize that the Eagles have a deeper, more talented roster than the Giants. They do. And yet the Giants have things they can do. Daniel Jones has played really well. They're passing in, in recent weeks. Their passing game has been much better. They still have Saquon Barkley. They have some guys on defense who can wreak havoc. They may not have quite as many as the Eagles do, but they do have some. So there are things that that the Giants can do. But first and foremost, they have to play a clean game. They have to avoid special teams mistakes, which they've had, they've had some, um, especially in the punting game and especially in coverage this year. And for me, you know, the Giants—they have to get a break. They have to—they have to block a punt. They have to—they have to get a pick six. They have to get a, you know, an unlikely bounce. Some—they have to get a break of some sort that uh, that gives them, you know, some unexpected points. That's that's generally the path for an underdog for a lower seeded team to to win a game. I mean, and and Daniel Jones' legs have to be part of it. But for me, they've got to be clean, and they've got to catch a break or two.
1: All right, so that's how they can win. How do you think things will shake out on Saturday night? Oh,
2: Big Blue View readers know that I'm picking the Eagles to win this game. I look at the 7.5-point spread, and I think the Giants can cover this spread. I think that we're going to get into the fourth quarter, and the outcome of this game is going to be in doubt. I think the Eagles are eventually going to win this game whether you know whether they land whether the Giants stay within the spread or the Eagles get a late score to uh to push them to a ten point fourteen point victory. I'm not sure, but i I think eventually the Eagles win this game. But I think you're going to you're going to have to work for it. I think the Giants are going to give you a good effort going to uh, to make Philly fans squirm for a little while but uh, but in the end, I think that there's just, as I said, the Giants have some talent. they have some playmakers, they have some things they can do, but right now you look at that Eagles roster and they just have more ways that they can win.
1: Well, I will, I will tell you, it does make me nervous. I remember back in 2008 when the Eagles were the number six seed and went into New York, who was the number one seed, fresh off the bye, looking for a Super Bowl run, and the Eagles went into the, the, the New Meadowlands and, and, and surprised everybody by beating the Giants that day. It is certainly within the realm of possibility for the Giants to surprise everybody, but um, I, I think your read on this is right. I'm going to give my prediction at the end of the podcast here, but um, I, I think the way you're, you're talking about this game is kind of how I feel it. Uh, coming down as well hey folks make sure you're checking out everything ed valentine is doing he's all over the place here for us for sb nation he was on the nfl show earlier this week he was on the nfc east mixtape mixtape with uh with brandon and rj so uh if you didn't hear him there make sure you check that out i was on his podcast earlier today uh for folks who want to check out your podcast ed what's it called how do they find it it's Big Blue View Radio,
2: so obviously anywhere where you uh, anywhere where you listen to your podcasts, you can also find that uh, on the uh, Big Blue View YouTube channel as well.
1: That's right. You saw my dumb face on the YouTube channel. If uh, <laughs> if you go find it there, so uh, make sure you check out everything Ed is doing over at Big Blue View. Ed, thank you so much for coming back on Eye on the Enemy, buddy. This is the last time this year. All right, no no more after this.
2: Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, let me give you my thoughts here quickly on these other three divisional round playoff games, and uh, and then I'll give you my Eagles prediction for this Saturday night. Uh, first, let's take a look at the Jaguars at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by eight and a half points. Of course, uh, the AFC's number one seed, they had the week off last week, and they have home field advantage uh, throughout the playoffs. Of course, if they take on the Bills, that game will be played at a neutral site. But the Chiefs have to get by good old buddy Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, uh, the Jekyll and Hyde Jaguars, who played about as bad a half of football as you can play in their wild card game against the Chargers, and then just set the world on fire. And that's the thing that scares you about jacksonville is that they can catch fire at any time doug peterson when he gets into a rhythm calling plays he is really hard to beat but i think you look at the chiefs in this game they have that they have that home field advantage they have that bye week That's just too big of an advantage The Chiefs are playoff tested. They are used to making deep playoff runs. They have the best quarterback in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid knows how to win divisional round playoff games. He typically does not lose in the divisional round of the playoffs. I can only remember two times, I think, as, as an Eagles coach where he lost in the divisional round, and that was in 2001 against the Giants and then in 2009 against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, he may have done it with the Chiefs. I'm not remembering if he has, though, because I think he has advanced to the uh, to the championship round, just about every time that he's been there. Certainly, the last I think five years, he's gotten that far. So, it is way more than likely that Andy Reid will get advantage. Will 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 have the advantage over his uh, his former mentee. Uh, but it's a cool matchup. Doug Peterson going up against his former head coach, the guy who basically helped get him his first head coaching assignment with the Philadelphia Eagles. At the end of the day. I just don't think the Jaguars have enough to go into Kansas City and upset the Chiefs. Uh, I I think the Chiefs will end up covering in this game as well. It was a great run for Doug Peterson, Uh, just like the Giants have had a really great run, but I don't think the Jaguars have anything left in the tank after basically unleashing it all on the Chargers with that furious second-half rally. I think the Chiefs win this one pretty comfortably on Saturday afternoon. Jumping ahead to the first game on Sunday, you've got the Bengals at the Bills. I really don't know what to make of this game. I I love the Bengals. I think what Joe Burrow is doing is is pretty ridiculous, but they are dealing with a number of injuries on the offensive line, and I think... I think Josh Allen is a little iffy right now. The the Bills may be just kind of playing a little off the rails at the moment with the DeMar Hamlin situation and some of the emotions there. They felt like a team of destiny, and then they almost lost to the Dolphins last week at home. That was kind of eye-opening, how they were just unable to put the Dolphins away, and a lot of that you put at the feet of Josh Allen, who was turning the ball over like crazy last week. I think he'll get that under control. I don't think we're going to see another week from Josh Allen like we saw last week. And I do think the Bills' defense will get to Joe Burrow. I think they'll be able to sack Burrow. I think they'll be able to prevent him from doing as much as he would like to do. I think the, the Bills ultimately pull this out. I think it's a three-point game, so I do think uh, the Bengals will, uh, will stay inside the number. But I do like the Bills to win this game uh, on Saturday afternoon. Then you're looking at the Cowboys at the 49ers. The Cowboys go into San Francisco uh, as four-point underdogs. Uh, the 49ers coming off a closer-than-expected win against the Seahawks, at least for a half, but San Francisco's talent ended up winning the day and pulling away from, uh, from Seattle. Although, again, that illegal man downfield call. Seattle's going for the, the tying score um, in that game, and, uh, and, and they get that one kind of ticky-tack call to go against them, and then they take a sack, and then after that, San Francisco scores. They make it a two-touchdown game, and that was it from that point. The Cowboys looked very good against a Tampa Bay team that was under 500. Tampa Bay did not deserve to be on the same field as Dallas uh, in that game on Monday night. I think the big key here is the San Francisco 49ers have had two extra days of rest and to prepare and they are at home. The Cowboys got screwed by the schedule makers here, which is not a sentence you very often hear. Normally, the Dallas Cowboys get all of the breaks when it comes to the schedule makers, but in this case, because they wanted to get that Tom Brady versus Dallas game on Monday night, now they force Dallas to go in there on uh, two, sh- two fewer days of rest. Remember, San Francisco played on Saturday last week, so they have Saturday to Sunday, and Dallas has Monday to Saturday. That is a big deal. In the NFL, those extra two days of preparation, extra two days of rest at this point in the season are a very big deal. And so, no, the Cowboys, they didn't have to overexert themselves in the game on Monday night, but it is an extra week of travel on a short week. I think that is going to factor into the 49ers hand. And when you consider the fact these two teams are very close in terms of talent, I think that pushes the 49ers over the edge, and that allows them to win this game. So I have all three home teams winning there. And, of course, now as we get to the Giants and the Eagles, I have the Eagles winning this game as well. I think it's inside the number. I think it's closer than 7.5. But you really, and I mentioned this to Ed a second ago, I I do take heart in the fact that in Week 18 against the backups, the Eagles were moving the ball at will. The only reason they didn't convert a couple of those very, very short field goals into touchdowns is because they didn't want to. They didn't want to run Jalen Hurts in those situations. They didn't want to open up the playbook fully. And they jumped out to a 19-0 lead. If they score a touchdown on two of those field goal drives, instead of 19-0, you know, add, uh, you know, take away six, that's 13, and add uh, two touchdowns to that, you know, you're, you're looking at like a, um, a 24-0 lead at that point. 27-0 probably at, at that point, in which case you're looking at a blowout. So the Eagles blew out the Giants' second team. They really did. They blew out the second team and the third team. The Giants made it a game late when the Eagles had pretty much given up in that game. Jalen Hurts, even in his limited capacity, led the Eagles on five scoring drives before the Giants got a chance to score. And the only reason why so many of those drives were field goal drives was because Jalen Hurts was not allowed and could not do the things he wanted to do. Now, that's going to be a big key. Is he healthy in this game? And really, that's what this game is going to come down to. I'm nervous about Jonathan Gannon allowing the Giants to dink and dunk their way down the field. I'm worried about Daniel Jones being able to make plays out of the backfield running the football. I'm a little bit concerned about Saquon Barkley and how good he looks. And the Eagles' run defense was not good for much of the season, but it has gotten much better with Linval Joseph in there. Milton Williams playing really well. I know Brandon mentioned that on the Ringer Philly Special podcast with Ben Solak uh, earlier this week, and I think that was a really smart point. And the Eagles defensive line, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, all these guys have had an extra week of rest to recharge the batteries. I think they're going to be a nightmare matchup for the Giants offensive line. I think they're going to be in the backfield throughout the day. I think they're going to sack Daniel Jones at least five times in this game. And I do think the Eagles offense is going to look very much like what it did in the past. Although I do think the Giants are going to give them a game. I think the Giants are going to give them a game. But it is fair to remember that the Giants have only won three games. Since, uh, since uh, week 10, right? They went in week 11, loss, loss, tie, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And then they won last week against the Vikings. They started off 7-2 and two and finished the season 9-7-1. and one. So they went 2-5-1 and one to finish up the season. Okay, so let's, let's you know, to, it's, they're 3-5-1 and one, uh, in, their, in their last uh, nine games. This is not a team that is like the 49ers having won 11 in a row or like the Jaguars having won, what, six in a row. That's not what we're looking at with the Giants. And I really do take heart in the fact that they played really well against a Vikings team that can't stop anybody. The Eagles can stop teams, and I think they will stop the Giants. I do think it'll be inside the number, but I think it'll be a touchdown game, a six-point game. I think the Eagles win this thing pretty comfortably. I think they. I think this is a twenty-seven to twenty win for the Birds in the divisional round on Saturday night against the Giants. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to Ed Valentine from Big Blue View for coming on the podcast, and uh, we will have him again. Uh, on again during the offseason after the draft. But my thanks to Ed for coming on three times here in the last month and a half to break down Eagles-Giants games with me. Folks, enjoy the game on Saturday night. Should be a fun one. And hopefully we will see you back here next week previewing an NFC championship game between the Birds and either the Cowboys or the 49ers. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Iowa.